Hey everybody, welcome to Inside the Album. I'm Don Seckler. That's Tommy Hilkin. How you doing, Tom? Don, I'm doing great. You sound excited today, man. This is I'm beautiful. very excited because we up. we yep, and we are gonna talk about Pink Floyd for the first time. And we're gonna start off with the album Wish You Were Here from 1975. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. A fine year. A fine year. So I hope everybody's enjoying the show. If you haven't listened to us before, if this is your first time, check out some of the older episodes. We've already gone through a ton of great all-time classic albums. Woo. Check them out. Take a listen. We are on YouTube sometimes when they don't block <laughs> us. But most of the time we're on YouTube and also anywhere you get podcasts. So Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever. Uh, we're out there. Uh, yep. Make sure you subscribe. It really helps us out. Like us, give us a review and check out our website insidethealbum.com where you can see all of the episodes. Uh, we've got also got a great merch store on there with some really cool shirts, including that record insert t-shirt uh, that is uh, very, very popular. So check that out. But my favorite thing about doing inside the album is we're able to work with a charity. So let's Talk about the charity, Tom. Tell us what's going on with that. Well, I just love that we have popular T-shirts. I tell you, my life is complete. So, <laughs> You've reached the pinnacle. <laughs> listen, listen. Anybody Doesn't get any better than this. No. You're a fucking you know podcaster. Uh, God damn it. You better know it. And I want to be treated as such. That's <laughs> It's my favorite line. I want to be treated as such. So with that being said... Uh, yes, we have a foundation called Music for Mark. Uh, this is really why we bring this to the world so people can come up, become aware of what we're doing. What we're doing is we're bringing musical lessons, musical instruments to the world through kids. Listen, we want the music to continue. Kids who need instruments, kids who need musical uh, instruction, that's what we're going to do. We're going to bring it to the world through Music for Mark. So check us out at musicformark.com. I think you'll like what you see. And once again, Don, tell them about the fact Used guitars, old guitars. Yep. Anything you got hanging around the house, you got an old drum set or a drum or a guitar, ukulele, banjo, yeah. even keyboards. Anything you got, we'd be happy to take it off your hands if it's just gathering dust in your basement or, or attic. Help out some un, you know less fortunate people and we can get them started on a hopefully a path to enjoying music as much as we do. Yeah. What's old to you is new to someone else. So keep exactly. that in mind. Thanks. So let's talk about, this is Wish You Were Here. The band is Pink mm -hmm. Floyd. Let's talk about who's in the band. I think, you know, most classic rock fans probably know all four of these guys. Pink Floyd is a four-man group. Uh, you've got David Gilmore, who is the lead guitarist and also does some vocals. Roger Waters does most of the vocals, plays the bass, does a lot of the songwriting, especially on, on this album and the albums going forward from this point. Um, and then uh, you have Richard Wright on keyboards and Nick Mason on drums. So the interesting thing about Pink Floyd and where they're at in their career, this is their ninth album. So they started off all the way back in 1967. They had one mm. album in 67, two albums in 68, one in 69, one in 70, one in 71, one in 72, one in 73, and then Wish You Were Here in 1975. And the reason why there's a break there, I think the only reason is because they did a huge tour off of Dark Side, which was an enormously popular, and some would say their all-time best work. Well, yeah, it's, uh, it, it depends really if you're a Pink Floyd fan, and I love that. It's what you prefer, because, sure. man, they've had a lot of 
great work. So yes, yeah. definitely. I got it. Yeah. So yeah, so th it's our ninth album. It was recorded uh, in January through July of 1975, and then released in September on September 12th, 1975. At the time, there was uh, a lot of different stuff happening on the the record charts. You had uh, Frampton Comes Alive was very popular. Night at the Opera by Queen was very popular. Toys in the Attic, which we, we've covered in a previous episode, was also hot. And also Alive by Kiss was a huge album at the time. Oh. So Pink Floyd really is nothing like any of those bands. They're kind of a trippy, hippie, jazzy little bit to a band. Like there's a lot of jamming that goes on in this band. A lot of jamming. And yeah, and you see it with the songs. Some of these albums, like this song, this album only has four songs on it. It lists five, but but the first song, uh, Shine On You Crazy Diamond, is split into two. Yeah. So at the beginning and the end of the album. so. Some of these songs are, are you know, super, super long. That Shine On Your Crazy Diamond with both halves is 25 minutes long. And it's great. There's no, like, it's oh. not, like, there's no, you would say, okay, the song's 25 minutes long. It must suck. There's a lot of excess. No, it's not at the case at all. <laughs> I'll throw it in here. You know, my favorite, you know, one of my favorite songs by Floyd is uh, Dogs of the Animals album, you know, and it's 18 minutes long. Yeah, and, and Animals... Animals is another one with all those long songs again, right? Oh, I, I just wish it was 30 minutes long. I mean, it's, just, <laughs> it's that good. So just like this, yeah. it doesn't matter how long it is. This is phenomenal. It's you know? a great, it's one of my all-time favorite. I would say this probably in my top 10 albums of all time. Uh, it's so good. Yep. And uh, so they, they had a huge success with this. 20 million sold, 20 million a little less than the Elton John record that we talked about, but still, that's yeah. that's a stratospheric number. Yeah. And they went to number one in six different countries. Yeah, and, and just look at the, you know, why we're doing this, you know, ladies and gentlemen, really think about it, Don. You know, these are my high school years, I get it. But when you look at the artist, and I mean, what the music that was being produced, this is why we're talking classic rock and, you know, iconic albums of music, right? This is, this is unbelievable what just came out in 1975 look at talk about i'm sure we're going to cover a night at the opera but yeah think about it what we just mentioned right right you got kiss queen aerosmith frampton and this is just a sampling the, <laughs> well, they'll do, the chart alive oh yeah. my god man Great. and that was an album that dominated the record that dominated the airways for over a year you know yeah. frampton comes alive was on the radio every day yeah so, you know, there was a lot of competition. Me away is what I used to say. Yeah. <laughs> so there was a lot of competition, but these guys are right at their peak because this yeah. album comes right after Dark Side of the Moon, which again is a legendary album. Mm. Then after this came Animals, which is another super, super strong album. And then comes The Wall. So they're in a creative period where the albums before Dark Side, while they're great, they're not... Uh, it doesn't seem they they seem to be just kind of off center a little bit in terms of of popularity the the music is great but it does it's not as as impactful as what you're seeing from like dark side through the wall yeah you know they they grew as musicians they grew together right but they they really stuck to who they were no matter what it was i wouldn't say they even you know wrote popular songs if you will you know what i mean they just know pink floyd yeah, I think like on on uh, Dark Side and on the Wall, they kind of tighten things up a bit. Right. 
you know, and I, I don't oh, think it was done yeah. purposely for radio because Pink Floyd has never cared about that. They've just done mm. like you, we've talked about. They're doing, you know, 18, 20 minute songs. <laughs> yeah, a little tough to get that on the radio. Yeah. Let's talk about the album cover, which we'll mm. we'll show here on, on the video on YouTube. Uh, so it's to me, it's a it's an iconic cover. It's it's a shot. Uh, it's got a, a broad white frame around it. It's two guys in suits shaking hands, and one of the guys is on fire. So this whole album is really about Sid Barrett, who used to be in Pink Floyd, but went crazy, and and you know they really missed him a lot. He was a good friend and and a good collaborator for them, but it's also about the record industry and and how it will eat you alive if you let it. I think that's mm -hmm. the kind of the big statement through this album. Oh, no doubt. But the interesting thing about this album cover is that, so they, they shot this, these are two stuntmen and they're fully done, you know, set up with fire protection gear. And like the one guy who's on fire has a wig on and a fire suit underneath it, you know, and so he's on fire, but it's outside of him. But the interesting thing was when they originally shot this photo, the wind was blowing the wrong way and the flames were forced <laughs> into one of the guy's face burning his mustache so go. they had the guys switch position oops they had the guys switch positions and then they reshot it but then when they shot it they flipped it for the album cover so they there they definitely go. wanted the guy with the flames on the right hand side <laughs> yeah but they didn't want him to really but the other guy to be on fire as well yeah yeah here they lost part of his facial hair so <laughs> There you go. And you got to remember, back in the 70s, there was a lot of facial hair. Yes. Yeah, that was predominant. Easily ignitable. Yeah. Kind of like now, right? Everybody with the beards and mustaches uh, oh. and stuff. <laughs> so uh, the album was recorded at Abbey Road Studios, which, of course, were, you know, the I think it was the EMI studio that was uh, uh, the, where the Beatles recorded. So the album, when the album came out, it came out after Dark Side of the Moon, mm. which stayed on the charts for 957 weeks. That's 18 years, which is wow. insane. So that Dark Side of the Moon album was so huge and so popular that the, when the reviews came out for Wish You Were Here, they yeah. were kind of mediocre because yeah. everybody's expecting Dark Side 2, you know, and this wasn't that at all. And you know what it is, believe it or not, why it stayed on the charts. They were still selling Dark Side, right? <laughs> Wish You Were Here came out, but people were still every. It's one of those albums that everybody had in their milk crate, you know? Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tough and to so, follow, right? Well, yeah, that's the, that's the point is that it's, it's a really hard follow. Like, how do you follow that up? Nah. So... I mean, part of it, and you know, so they were out, they had this huge successful album with, with Dark Side, did a huge tour, and the band was physically and emotionally drained after that. So they found the the creation of Wish You Were Here very difficult at, at first. Yeah. yeah, it's a tough life for sure. Yeah, Richard Wright said they were, the sessions were, were uh, falling within a difficult period. Roger Waters called them torturous. Uh -huh. um, uh, Nick Mason didn't like the process of multi-track recording. He said that was drawn out and tedious. <laughs> and and David Gilmore was more interested in in improving the band's existing material, which is a little unusual. Yeah. Well, little unusual is truly Pink Floyd and the members of Pink Floyd. 
Yeah, exactly. So, you know, so it's a weird, I think it's a weird time for the band and they they were having a lot of issues. Uh, the band members were having issues with each other. So again, you know, we're, again, we always talk about the friction and, you know, there's friction here. Yeah. So these guys have been on the road for, you know, a year and a half or whatever it was. And, and, you know, just playing those same songs over and over again. And, and now they're in the studio trying to get back together and work again. Yeah. You know, one of the toughest things you could ever do is bring, like I always say, bringing the creatives together, right? You know, a creative gets cranky. It's one of the worst things you want to be around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The songs, especially Shine On, uh, has this very, very long intro. The vocals don't even start until eight minutes and 40 seconds into the song. So the song is 13 minutes and 31 seconds long. So we're going to do this a little bit differently since we, you know, we can't really play this whole thing. Um, so we're going to jump in here at three minutes and 53 seconds. And the reason we're going to do this is David Gilmore came up with four notes that became the basis of this whole song. So Roger Waters thought that they conveyed the emotions they were having about Sid wow. Barrett, who's wow. the guy who was out of the band now and kind of had lost his mind. And so he felt Roger Waters felt like this is how Sid must feel in his head. So listen, I'm going to play these four notes and you'll you'll recognize it immediately. But this is the theme for this whole song that kind of repeats. It's kind of the basis for the song. So, so that's what they're working with there is the, as that whole, you know, like I said, just the basis for this song. And then the more, I don't know, more popular, but probably more, maybe more well-known part is when the, the vocals come in here. So even that part, it's that's it, it's not. I don't know if they're the exact same notes, but it's that four note thing. Dun, 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 crown, shine on. So interesting that that whole song and you know they so they mm. did recorded this song and then split it up into two parts. So it's thirteen minutes on the front of the album and and twelve and a half minutes on the back of the album. And so you know these guys are able to put together some almost orchestral type music for rock. Uh, you know, I mentioned to you earlier before we went on, you know, uh, I have to tell you, I, I still, because of the experiences I've had and it's logged in my head, that sound, those four notes are the greatest sounds you could ever hear live because you yeah. know what's coming. Right. You know what I mean, and you're just standing and you're just, you know, I have never been to a concert where I've ever been filled up with more electricity. Yeah. And well, I, there's so much buildup. It's it's oh. three minutes and 30 seconds before they get to the main, 
kind of music, you know, oh, which is those four notes. I so see. it's all that buildup and anticipation, and it's really, really well done. Just oh, really is, done, well done. It is perfect. I just thought I'm getting flashbacks. That's why I love doing this. This is, <laughs> this is crazy. But I, I wanted to share a little fact about Sid. You know, yeah. I watched a, I watched a Sid Barrett uh, documentary. You know, as sad as it was, man, oh man, did they love Sid Barrett. He wasn't just a friend. They loved Sid Barrett. They would have done anything and everything they could for him. You know, and uh, I'll share a little bit of what happened was uh, these were the acid days and he really blew his lid. Uh, they were all doing lots of acid and yeah. together. And, you know, <laughs> some people, you know, you can do it and some people lose their mind. And uh, he literally lost his mind through it all. Well, you know, LSD kind of makes you crazy. I mean, that's what it does, right? Yeah, so it, does. Right, it like gotta... makes you, it, it pushes you over the edge for a short period of time. Yeah. And, you know, everybody's made up differently. That's the challenge. It's not right. like one, one guy might be able to handle it. One guy freaks you out right and that's what happened to Sid he just overused it over they were over and abusing it and yeah literally probably you know think about it we always say fine line between genius and insanity you know that fine line and you know acid can help you go one way or the other <laughs> yeah and it definitely is a fine line it's a very yeah, fine line very fine line and kids stay away from LSD. <laughs> yeah, wait, listen, you know, we're not suggesting doing it, but no. I will tell you this big part of what they were doing. Yeah. Was a big part. Yeah. Yeah. They, and like you said, you know, he, this whole album is really about, about Sid for the most yeah. part. Mm -hmm. And so they say, you know, the line in the song, remember when you were young, you shone mm -hmm. like the sun, you reached for the secret too soon you cried for the moon. So it's exactly what you're talking about is what Pink Floyd is talking about here. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that was that was the saddest part about it. You know, some people come and go, but uh, the, I'll tell you this, uh, it, during it, he always got paid as a band member up until the day he died. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't oh know yeah. That. Huh. Oh, yeah. Sid Barrett got paid as a band. Roger Waters loved him. He didn't care what happened. Pink Floyd was Sid Barrett, according to Roger Waters, no matter what. Yeah. Uh, and he stuck to that and he got a paycheck and his family got a paycheck the whole time until wow. the day he died. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's love, man. Yeah. Yeah. And so there, there was a issue too, with this song, uh, when they were, they were at Abbey road, like we said before, and they ran into some early difficulties and one of the engineers wasn't real familiar with the setup there and he accidentally spoiled the backing tracks for shine on nice and <laughs> so roger waters and nick mason had spent like hours perfecting it with echo and all these effects and things like that and the entire thing had to be re-recorded so that's you know unfortunate but crazy i wonder if he accidentally got fired <laughs> i think he just blamed uh paul mccartney or something <laughs> there you go it had to be one of them beatles they messed everything up for us <laughs> see what they did <laughs> nice so when they when they first started to record in the sessions for wish you were here they weren't sure what to do so you know they're kind of banging around ideas roger waters started to Roger Waters began to visualize a, a different concept than what they had done in the past. Mm. And they had a couple of compositions they were working on while they were touring, 
So those all kind of got put together and became these songs. Yeah, and it works. Yeah. And, you know, they, they were working on Shine On and they said that this is like the perfect centerpiece for this new album. Uh, so, you know, it's really it really kind of dominates the album being on both ends of it. Mm. But it's interesting because it kind of calls back to some of the longer stuff they've done in the past, like Echoes. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of a lot of a lot of the past Pink Floyd in this, but it's also them kind of moving forward a little bit. You know, when you think about it, right, who did Pink Floyd have to look to to be who they were? You know, they were them. There was no, you know, wait, like you were mentioning a 13 minute song to some other people. Like, how do I make a pop hit? How do I get on the radio? Remember, we were saying that. How do I get on the radio? We always said that radio sold albums. Yeah. Well, not in this, not in this case, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't recall. Was there a, like an abbreviated version of Shine On that played on the radio back then, or did it yeah, just not get they, played? They, no, they would. It was chopped up. They, you would still hear it on the radio. It was longer, but they would chop it up. They'd give you all the key parts, you know, like you heard bam bam, and then it would skip yeah. through. Oh, through skip the into the vocal. Lyrics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's the uh, worst. I hate when they do that. <laughs> And it, it has nothing to do with Pink Floyd, right? It's management no, when you nothing think at all. Yeah. yeah. Sure. All right. So let's move on. Song number two is Welcome to the Machine. And again, bit of an intro here. Opening door. One strum is so good, right? So that that's kind of the intro to that. I want to just skip way, way ahead to the end part. You're going to hear now this is a party at the end. He drives away, leaves the machine. So like Roger Waters and, you know, Pink Floyd, especially Waters is so concept heavy, mm, you gotcha. know, 
he comes yeah. up with a story and there's a yep. story and there's a, a method to the madness mm -hmm. so you got this opening door at the beginning where roger waters had said it was a symbol of musical discovery and progress that's betrayed by musical industry by the industry itself so because they're more interested in greed and success and that's where the party is it's a record exec party where everybody's hey hey high five and we made all this money with these guys <laughs> who wrote this music and we didn't really do anything <laughs> it was like it's like you did what what <laughs> yeah so he said like the party is is really kind of the lack of contact and contact and real feelings between people so it's a very fake kind of hollywood record biz hey blah 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 you know that kind of stuff <laughs> you know when, when you talk about the record biz you know and, and i know this just from life in general you know without the people who are in the biz doing the biz i know a lot of bands like to do the show i always say show biz yeah like you know even pink floyd let's face it they like to do the show but you know you got to have those people to do the biz i know you don't right. like it but with it without it would you have sold 30 million albums? It's an interesting question. Right? Yeah. I don't want to do the biz. I enjoy the show. You like the show, right? Yeah. And the other, the other thing about this too, and you know, it is that, that because now they're totally immersed in it because they've had a hit record. Oh yeah. So before this, you know, I mean, before dark side, when you had things like metal and Uma Guma, those records were popular, but they weren't mega hits. No, no, no. Now, every shark is everybody who talks to them is looking to make money off of them yeah so i totally get you know where that perception comes from well the record industry has destroyed so many people well someday we'll talk about boston's first album that they had to live up to that oh my god man it destroyed them as human beings well yeah because you can't you that's the thing you peaked <laughs> yeah. with your first album so you know and the other thing is i think waters kind of attributes the money grubbing record producers and managers and all that kind of stuff into part of uh sid barrett's mental collapse right the the thought is that Sid, yes, Sid loved the drugs, but Sid did way more of them because it got too much and he couldn't handle it and it yep. kind of came falling on his shoulders. But what that's you think I, about it. It's a it's a typical story though, right? I mean, in terms of like addiction and those types of things. Yeah, you know, to put you over the edge, the pressure, right? Once it be, once it becomes and the way I like to look at it, once it becomes that it's not fun that you're doing music as a business. Right. right? It, it changes everything because at first all these guys ever did was how does this sound? Let's put it on a record. Right. Right. And you enjoyed it, you know, and, you know, I think about this and I, you know, when I think of Pink Floyd, I, I mean, as I'm going to share, you know, because of my comedy background and I always thought of Monty Python, they were always in the same realm, same years doing the same thing. And Monty Python took an approach to comedy that was, we're just going to do what we find funny and deliver it. Right. We didn't care what anybody thought if it should be on TV. You know, we're doing a skit on a dead parrot. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's the same kind of thing. They just wanted to create and bring it to the world. But those right? are always the best creations the, in the any best. art, you know, whether yeah. it's comedy, music, video, yeah. painting, whatever. It's right. it's when they don't care about the business side of it and they focus on actually just doing what they love. You know, a producer saying, hey, I think it should sound like this is one thing, right? But, you know, like when management comes in and says, you know, we want this down into a three minute, 30 second song, right? No, it's not a three minute, 30 second song. That's the battles you get. And creativity goes right out the window. 
Yeah. You're starting to battle both ends. And even their shorter songs are longer. So Welcome to the Machine <laughs> is seven and a half minutes. Have sure. a Cigar is 508. Wish yeah. You Were Here is 535. You know, radio friendly stuff is three, maybe four minutes, you know? No doubt. Chop it up to get it on the radio, which is just awful. Cause yeah. Is, yeah, this is just beautiful music that should never be chopped up. Yeah, it's just amazing. And, and this album is just perfect. And I like, you know, I like that they didn't, add a bunch of other stuff in here yeah it's like they took the best four songs they had and put them down and that was it you know because you do get these albums where you go oh wow this has you know it's got seven great songs and four yeah so so songs yep and every week we get to this same point and i love that we do this this is the kind of thing where this is an album it's meant to be played as an album Right. It, it's not about singles. Go home, put this album on, yeah. put the back forward, you know, just listen to the whole thing. And that's what this is about, creating an album, right? Yeah. And this uh, oh. this is a great headphone album too. Uh -huh. This is this is one when you have it on the headphones and you just want to zone out and and you know for 30 minutes or whatever it is, it's a great, great listen the whole way through. Every time you listen to this. Yeah, you'll hear something you didn't hear the time before. Yeah, there's and there's so much going on in the background. There is. There's a lot of you know. There's a lot of various keyboards. There's a lot of uh, rhythmic stuff going on. There's a lot of voices in the background. There's a lot of effects in there that are meant to kind of paint that picture a little bit for you. You know, so it's it, you know they I, I think they they hit their uh, concept peak with the wall because that oh, album is I a concept you. double album all the way through. It's the same story. Right. This is oh, the that, same, yeah, but yeah. it's it's tight because it's only four songs, really. Yeah, and you know, and and it's built on one guy. So how many songs can you build on one guy, right? And the industry and what was going on. So yeah, this is different. The, the concept was just the wall story. Yeah. Another day. All right. Yeah. So, all right. So let's take a listen to the next track. This is number three. This is Have a Cigar. Great riff, right? Oh. <laughs> yes. Listen to that bass under here.
I so, knew it. <laughs> I, I, I knew it. This whole song is is the, the cliches that they were hearing from like young guys in the record industry. Right. And somebody actually said to them, by the way, which one's pink? Right. Can you fucking one, imagine one, that? Yeah, yeah. You're pink, you're Floyd. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what's funny? If you listen to the song, you listen to the lyrics, you can see somebody actually putting this down on paper. This just happened. Can you believe it? We'll write a song about it, right? Yeah. The whole the whole song is all these cliches that these guys, you know, these these record guys would say to them. Hey kid, come on in, have a cigar. Yeah, right. You're gonna go far. I'm telling you. I'm telling yeah, exactly. you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. S so i mean same theme here it's kind of against the you know the record industry and and the uh profiting off of off of these artists which you know mm -hmm. it's kind of a double-edged sword because at the time you needed the record companies you know th this is their expression and where they were at that time and it was very kind of frustrated with the whole thing and again i think it was really amplified because of dark side on the moon was so huge and there was now there's real money involved now you get more of these guys involved you know you don't just have the one guy at the record company now you've got a whole team of people lots of all, cigars you know are, are talking all this bullshit and are not as creative and you know it's yeah. just you get sick of hearing it the almighty dollar man it take, it's taking down better people than you and i yeah for sure yeah you know, I, I just wanted to bring you had mentioned you know the base right you know it's kind of like it's so interesting. I've often looked at it. It's not only did he play the fill, you know, in between the bass, but kind of like, it's almost like a lead guitar note sometimes when he's in there, you know, like it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a solo bass solo kind of thing. Yeah. Right? Which really makes it work so well for them is that Roger Waters really is a presence on stage. I mean, playing it's yeah. not like just, he's not a guy who's standing back and just Right. Play stand with the cigarette in his mouth playing bass. He's you know, he's doing some serious guitar work. I've right. always loved that. He's a great guitarist. Yeah. And so this this one was also the single, and it was this and Welcome to the Machine, which they call the double A sided single. Mm. But the real interesting thing about this is it's nobody from Pink Floyd singing on this song. And I don't know if a lot of people know this, but the person who's singing on this is Roy Harper. Who was wow. an English folk rock singer, songwriter, and guitarist? What happened was Roger Waters' voice got fried from Shine On You Crazy Diamond. And Pink Floyd, Pete Townsend, Led Zeppelin, all these guys, they were all friends with Roy Harper, who's this kind of folk rock singer. And so they asked Roy Harper to come in and do the vocals on this song. So that's Roy Harper on there. And you know, that that's I think a lot of people don't have any clue that that. It was him. He kind of sounds like Roger Waters a little bit. Yeah. You know, that's, that's great. Yeah. I had no idea to tell you. That's fantastic. Yeah. So this guy was really influential at the time. He was, like I said before, Zeppelin loved him. They have that song hats off to Rye Harper, which is about him. Uh, they Pete Townsend, Kate Bush, Pink Floyd, Ian Anderson. They all said that um, Roy Harper was a, a primary influence as a, songwriter because he you know he did folk folk rock so it was kind of mostly acoustic yeah um, but they all loved his music so they had him step in here and and fill in for uh for roger waters when his voice couldn't handle it that is amazing great tune great voice too yeah for sure all right so let's move on to track number three which to me this is this is the just the all-time great Pink Floyd song, one of my all-time favorite songs. Uh, this is Wish You Were Here. Mm -hmm. 
and it, it remains massively. Yes, and um, neither would you, Derek, this star nonsense. Yeah, yeah. Now, which is it? Yeah, I'm sure of it. <laughs> So I want to pause it right here. So, so this first section, I don't know if you heard it. I should have pointed it out when it happened. But at the beginning, you hear the radio part. So it's yeah. it's a person listening to the radio kind of. Then the music starts. Then you hear the guy go, <coughs> you know, he kind of coughs a little bit. And then when the 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 guitar comes in over the top of the, the other music, mm -hmm. that's basically the concept is that this guy's sitting there listening to the radio and then playing that long with the song. Wow. So that's that's the beginning of this. Well, let's rejoin it so we can hear the uh, the the vocals come in. So you have the background, and then he's playing that the lead part, right? So, so you think you can tell heaven from hell, blue skies. Pain, can you tell a green field from a cold steel rail? A smile from a veil, do you think you can tell? So again, I think this is, you know, a song that pretty much everybody knows. Um, it, Roger Waters said that, again, it was this was another one based on Sid. And it was uh, a poem that Roger Waters had written about Sid's fall from reality. Mm. So it, it, somebody said that Sid's friends would often lace his coffee with LSD. Yeah. So again, back to the LSD, he was taking a lot of it and that, you know, yeah. that they think that that's what really pushed him over the edge. Yeah. You know, let me tell you something, man. Uh, what, what a great, I, I have to say, what fucking amazing this song. <laughs> just it's such, so good, right? No, I, I just sit here and, you know, and uh, it, it's just so unbelievable. Yeah. It really is unbelievable. Yeah. I don't have much more to say. I, I just, 
you know, living this, seeing it live, you know, and just this is why rock and roll is so great in our lives. You know, to, and I, I swear to God, when I hear it, I just listen to it. Just now, I was getting flashbacks, you know, yeah, like, yeah. literally, this is why it's the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. And the, the, the interesting thing about this song, it's a kind of the rare case of Waters and Gilmore writing and collaborating on a song. Right. So usually they'd write separately, bring it together, and then, you know, they'd work on it and make some changes and things. But most of the writing was done separately. Gilmore was was messing around, had written the opening riff and was playing it in the studio at a quicker pace mm -hmm. than what's on the record. Roger Waters heard it and asked him to slow it down. And then they built the song from there, writing the music for the chorus and the verses together, and then Waters added the lyrics. So here again is a, you know, two genius musicians, because David Gilmore is a great, great guitar player. He's one of those guys, oh. <laughs> you know, he's not the flashiest, but he knows where to put the notes and he knows mm -hmm. where to leave them out. Um, you know, and you can see that, especially when you get into solos, like, um, you know, s some of the stuff on the wall is really, really well done, like comfortably yeah. numb solo is, is insane. Um, but here his guitar playing is just stratospherically good. It's yeah. so, so good. Clean, perfect, beautiful. Yeah. Uh, uh, just... And, but Roger Waters had the ability to go ahead and make it better. You know, yeah. so and, you know, we heard hear this a lot. So we hear about tempo changes and things like that, that people do to these songs in their original form. They change a tempo either faster or slower, and it makes a huge difference. And the song is so much better. Right. And if you know you have the ability to collaborate, that's why you're a band in the first place. Right. Yeah. If you open up the change. It can't hurt. It's got to help. So that that's just amazing, man. Great to hear. Really. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So let's, uh, I know we listened to the first part of actually, so the shine on you crazy diamond at the beginning of the album is parts one through five. And I'm not sure, you know, where they break or whatever, but, uh, the, the second one shine on you crazy diamond that closes the album is parts six through nine. So this is, it's, it's a 25 <laughs> minutes long song with nine sections, nine sections. So just, you know, you definitely get your money's worth. Uh, hold on one second. Let me... That's how you write a hit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Right? Yeah. So I'm going to move right to where the vocals come in, because again, there's a long five minute lead on on uh, on this song again. So, you know, we don't want to uh, keep people here for hours, but uh, let's take a listen to the the. Uh, closing shine on you crazy diamond
So again, you know, it's it's uh, Pink Floyd staying true to their progressive rock roots. You know, this is the 70s and you've got uh, bands like Yes and ELP and, and all those kind of uh, jam bands. Mm-hmm. Um, but the interesting, the interesting thing about this, when they were actually recording it in June of 75, Sid Barrett actually came to the studio mm. and he was ready to help out but he had gained a ton of weight. He was bald and he really was like making no sense when he spoke. Yeah, yeah. So they, they let him hang out for a while. He Sid had said he wanted to rejoin the group, but they learned in 67 and 68 that having somebody who was technically insane was not a good for the band. Yeah. yeah. So Because you're dealing with all that stuff on top, you know, and this is their, like you were saying, this is a guy they loved. So it's like a family member. Oh, before he was kicked out of the band back in in 67 and 68, Sid would sometimes go on stage and either refuse to play or just keep playing the same note over and over. So it became an untenable situation. And and they were, (laughs) um, you know, uh, unfortunately, they, they had to boot him think about the songwriting, you know, and just literally what was going on in their world, what was going on in their life, right? And the one thing about Pink Floyd, you know, I always, I don't know if I've ever heard like an uplifting kind of happy song. Every every song they've ever written is a little bit, it's a little, they're a dark band. Yeah, really? yeah, there's always, there's always a dark edge, right? Always, it. oh yeah, yeah. A little bit of anger, a little bit of pissed off, but the music itself is so powerful. And I mean, the music, themselves that you know he carries it through it makes it into a song where you don't really feel it's like dark and angry and right you know but it really is and this song even though it's shine on you crazy diamond it's sort of uplifting but it's really a sad i mean it's it's like a sad story about a friend you've lost basically yeah and while sid wasn't dead at the time he couldn't communicate with people or you know make any sense like he'd had they, they're saying they'd start a conversation with him and he'd start rambling weird words in the middle of it. Oh. And so they couldn't even like talk to the guy. It was like a way of saying goodbye, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a tribute. Yeah. 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 Definitely a tribute, but amazing, amazing song. In- uh, one last point about this song. Interesting one that this is the last song that Richard Wright got a credit on a writing credit on because Roger Waters kicked him out of the band during the walk <laughs> sessions during the yeah. session. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And so it was a combination of uh, uh, Roger Waters increasing desire to control the group and Richard Wright's mounting personal problems like that combination just led to him getting booted. And he stayed out of the band until after Waters left in uh, 87 and then came back and played with David Gilmore and, and Nick Mason as Pink Floyd after Roger Waters was out of the band, which yeah. Roger Waters hated that they continued as Pink Floyd. Oh, well, <laughs> and well I was just, I, uh, I get it. <laughs> well, you think about it, it's, it's one of the saddest things to people like you and I, you know, that uh, you know, Roger Waters and, and Gilmore getting back together, they've both toured forever you know, and did their own thing and played Pink Floyd music, but it's not the same. It, right. you know, I've, I've seen it all. I've seen right. both ends. You know, and they were, they're so good together. They complement each other so well. It's that's, what's so sad about it. But you know, these guys, like we said, they started in 67 and the band continue. I don't think they're really putting out music now, but 
they played through the 80s and 90s. So, you know, oh, they sure. had a long career. Roger Waters has done some solo stuff and continues to play Pink Floyd stuff live. You know, we saw him do that, uh, the the wall show. Oh, on sure. The, uh, on the, um, the, when they had it in the theaters that time. In a Fandango, yeah. Fandango, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was so, great. Yeah. That so was that, really him telling the story of the wall without doing the music kind of thing. It was great, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And when they I I know that when they did the when they did the wall tour, it was interesting because they only did a handful of shows. Yeah. So I think they wasn't it they did some in New York and then some in LA and that was it. Well, you know what it was? It's it, it's hard to tour. The setup is incredible. Right? So the setup of the wall itself to put everything all Yeah, together. they were actually physically building the wall on stage oh. while they were playing, which was crazy. The craziest. Um, but it wasn't a tour that was sustainable where you could do it around, you know, every arena in the country. So so I'll, I'll share with you uh, some Pink Floyd moments in my life, right? So I, <laughs> I, I, uh, you know, I, I saw when animals came out, I saw Dark Side of the Moon, but, uh-huh. you know, one... Uh, one show, Roger Waters said he was going to cover the dark side of the moon, right? So it was like everybody couldn't wait to get there. And uh, so he played the first half. Uh, this is a great memory for me. I love charities. The first half, he just did a mix of all types of Pink Floyd music, you know? Oh, nice. Shine on you, Crazy Diamond. He did some Roger Waters music. And I could just, these are the memories that I have. Yeah. He walks up to the mic and he says, We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back with Dark Side, right? Talk about leaving people waiting for more, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then they came out and they did the whole Dark Side of the Moon album. And just crazy. Crazy. They call, they call that a tease in the biz. Oh, <laughs> you think? You think we a little bit anxious. Yeah, just, you know, just such great memories, this music. Like yeah. we said, 1975, man. Look at the albums. Look at the music. And once again... Put this stuff on and listen to it, man. Not just play it in the background. The, the secret to this is to listen to it. It's amazing. Yeah, give it a deep dive. You're going to love it. That's it yeah. for Wish You Were Here. Yeah. Tough when you only got four songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's challenging. So we have a little bit shorter episode this week, but that's fine. Uh, so next week, we're going to dive into a little bit ACDC. We're going to go to Back in Black. So we're going to switch uh, it up and get a little heavy, a little rock and roll here and uh, see how we uh, see how we feel about Back in Black. See how us old guys hold up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. All right, Don. That All right. Was awesome. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Don't forget, share, like, subscribe, do the things, whatever they are. Click the buttons. Beautiful. We'll see you next week. Take care. All right.